Leadheads, welcome back to another episode of the Talking Lead Podcast. This is episode 260. If you guys uh, didn't get a chance to tune in to our previous episode, make sure you go back and check it out. We had some awesome deals coming at you from Defy Watches from our good buddy Jeremy Smith over there. Uh, Smith and Bradley LTD Watches and Defy Watches. He hits you guys with some amazing discounts, so make sure you go back and check out that episode. And then we also had our interview with the guys from Spikes Tactical. Uh, it was a great interview with Kit Cope and uh, the guys there. So make sure you go back, listen to that episode. And we're back. We're back from Europe, guys. It was an awesome trip. And we're going to talk about it a little bit this episode. We were pressed for time, so I didn't get as much as I'd like to with these guys. So I'm going to have them back on in another episode. And we'll talk more details with uh, David Fortier, Rob Manning, and Mike with Pioneer Arms Corp over there in Poland. So as you're listening to this, you may notice that the audio is a little bit different. Uh, I did have a blowout while I was there. Uh, Instead of getting a power converter, I had a power adapter and it blew out my mixing board. But we were fortunate enough that we uh, got a loaner from one of Mike's employees. Uh, He's a musician extremely talented guy so uh, thank you for letting us borrow your mixing board however I didn't have a clue as to what all his buttons and things did so uh, I think I got it as as good as possible there's some background noise because we are at a range so you're going to hear the popping in the background uh, but it's not too bad I think I got most of it filtered out um, pretty good so and you'll notice probably that this audio sounds a little differently as well because I haven't got the um, the parts to replace that with yet. So those are coming. Our audio quality will be back up to the standards that you guys are used to next episode. But don't let that stop you guys from going and supporting those that support this show, the Talking Lead Podcast. Ride On Optics, the official optics of Talking Lead. Go to Ride On USA. They've got that new 1-8. to eight. They have it in a first and second focal plane option. For you tactical guys, uh, for you hunters, I've got the tactical version, and it's really awesome. I'm loving it. Should be getting that hunting version in pretty soon. I haven't had a chance to actually mount the scope yet, but that's on my agenda. The things to do as I've returned from Europe. So we're going to get that thing mounted and get some trigger time with it and get you guys some videos. We'll be posting those on social media, so stay tuned for that. Right on USA.com. X Steel Targets. X Steel Targets. The best, most affordable AR500 steel targets on the market today. And by the way, they're even more affordable because they are having a big sale for you leadheads. They are having a huge end of summer sale. They've got 45% off their gongs, silhouettes, statics, squares, their knockovers, their easy targets. And it's 25% off everything else. Go to xsteeltargets.com. Use coupon code EOS18, as in end of summer 18. And you'll get those amazing deals from Bud and the gang over there at X Steel Targets. And if you haven't done so, you guys need to get yourself some Talking Lead t-shirts. You go to 1776united.com and you can get our classic Talking Lead t-shirt or our Leadhead Brigade t-shirt right there at 1776united.com 
and we've got our Leadhead Brigade patches as well. And you guys want those awesome Talking Lead Black Assault mugs? You can go to dip123.com forward slash Talking Lead and get yourself set up with the evil Black Assault mug. Better than a Yeti, the Talking Leddy. Get it at dip123.com forward slash Talking Lead. The official wristwear of Talking Lead, Defy Watches and Smith & Bradley Limited. So we still have our Watches for Vets program. It started off 10 watches for 10 vets. And then uh, Bill, our good buddy Bill over at Flioa, um, threw up another four watches to be given away. So you guys keep those nominations coming in. I want more of those coming in from you guys. Still got about eight or ten of those watches to give out. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and give one out again this episode right now before we get into the Talking Lead European Vacation. And our winner this week is, and I'm going to read your story and then I'll announce who you are. This is my story. I am no hero. As a senior in high school, I signed up for delayed entry in February 1983 to report on December 1st, 1983. My slot at the military intelligence school would not be open until February 1984. And in October 1983, United States military invaded Grenada. My first duty assignment out of intelligence school was at 105th Military Intelligence Battalion, Fort Polk, L.A., where I met a number of veterans of the invasion. In July 1987, my initial enlistment was about to end when I received notification that I was to be promoted. But in order to make it official, I would have to re-enlist. So I re-enlisted for six more years. Other than four trips to the National Training Center in Fort Irwin, California, I really did nothing. In January 1989, I was transferred to 102nd Military Intelligence Battalion, Camp Hoovy, Korea. All I have to show for that assignment was two bouts with dysentery and nearly succumbing to carbon monoxide poisoning on Christmas Day. Meanwhile, in November of 1989, the Berlin Wall came down. In December 1989, the United States Army invaded Panama. I left Korea in January of 1990 for my reassignment to Fort Bragg, North Carolina, but had to complete airborne school prior to reporting. So when I finished my training at Fort Benning, Georgia, I proceeded to Fort Bragg. Once there, I was assigned to 7th Special Forces Group, where almost everyone there had a combat patch from the invasion. Central America and Spain are 7th Special Forces areas of expertise, so when in August of 1990 the Persian Gulf War happened, it was considered to be outside the scope of 7th Special Forces Group. With the exception of being the passenger in a rented Toyota Helix that flipped end over end on a mountain trail in Central America, I have little but memories to offer. In May 1999, was promoted to Staff Sergeant, but was in an, an E-5 slot, so I had to be reassigned to uh, 519th Military Intelligence Battalion, Fort Bragg. So as I sat watching most of soldiers that had just returned from the Gulf War and across from a warrant officer with a piece of the Berlin Wall on his desk, I began to consider if I could make it a career. With no combat experience, it seemed highly unlikely that I would ever be promoted again. With a now ex-wife prompting me to do so, I opted to get out with around seven weeks of leave saved up. I got it in November of 1993. So that being said, I may not be the best candidate for a watch. I'm no hero. I love the show. I feel that it's built on great content and especially love the jack wagon train. Thanks for everything you do for the firearm community. T-Boz. So T-Boz, it just sounds to me like you've got bad timing, brother. 
So you definitely need a watch <laughs> to get you on time. So uh, congratulations, T-Boz. You are the recipient of this episode's 10 watches, but now 14 watches for 14 vets. Program that defy watches and talking lead and the Federal Law Enforcement Officer Association has put together. So get in touch with me. Send me an email, talkinglead at gmail.com with your contact info and uh, we'll get you a watch, brother. So, you other military, law enforcement, first responders, you're all eligible. Send me your stories. Uh, if, if, you're, if you're a leadhead and you know of a military law enforcement first responder who deserves a watch, you'd like to nominate them, send me an email, talkinglead at gmail.com. Uh, this was a great story. I love this, this story from T-Boz. It was funny. Uh, you don't have to get that detailed, um, but obviously uh, it made for a, a good story. So um, send them in. Uh, subject, I want the watch. So make sure you put that in the subject so I know uh, where to find this and I can find it quickly. Just makes it easier for me to pick them out in a, a slew of emails that I get daily. So congrats to T-Boz. We're going to continue to give watches away in upcoming episodes, so stay tuned. And like I said, keep those nominations and candidates coming in. Uh, we've still got several more here that we're going to be going through. And of course, as you uh, you guys know, we took a week off, and I've got uh, several, several, several Jack Wagon nominations from you guys. So I'm not going to do like a real big, long Jack Wagon train this week. I'm just going to mention some because we do have a great show ahead. Hoorah, Semper do or die, hold them high at 8th and I. It is time for the Talking Lead Jack Wagon of the Week, so brace yourself, baby. Uh, so here's one from Jason F. So I want to nominate the jury in Sacramento, California that awarded a family $2.75 million because they say Officer Hardio Acosta shot their relative one more time than needed while the man was stabbing the officer with scissors. 9-11 was called because Sonny Lamb was becoming violent with his family and they feared him. So to recap, family calls police because they fear their, uh, their relative. Police arrive. Man then attacked police officer, stabbing him with scissors. Officer shoots. Two shots stopping the threat. Family then sues police for protecting himself and them because they say one shot was enough. What the fuck, he says, WTF. It looks like, to me, this is a family trying to tell the police department how to do a job they know nothing about. Armchair quarterbacking the police department that might have saved their lives and suing them over how many shots is appropriate to stop an assailant attacking you with a pair of scissors. This is more lunacy from liberal California. I agree. Uh, that's ridiculous. Uh, so welcome to the jack wagon train, uh, jury of Sacramento, California. And then my jack wagon train, this, uh, my jack wagon for this week is Nike and Colin Kaepernick. Again, Colin Kaepernick's making the jack wagon train. Uh, I, apparently Nike has uh, signed this dude to a campaign saying, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. If anything, all he's done is a publicity stunt. This whole kneeling during the National Anthem, anthem has been a publicity stunt to gain him attention 
and and notoriety and apparently it's it's worked you know because we can't stop talking about it so this will be the last time that I talk about Colin Kaepernick and probably Nike uh, for that fact uh, 1776 United made an awesome Instagram post. Um, I think it was from them. It may have been from someone else. Um, but instead of Colin Kaepernick on there, they put Pat Tillman. And uh, I thought that was uh, the appropriate way that Nike should have gone somewhere around, along those, um, somewhere along that direction. But uh, anyway, welcome to the Jack Wagon Train, Nike and uh, Colin Kaepernick. And then we've got another leadhead submitted jack wagon. This is Geo Race 34, and Geo is from Canada. And he had made a post that I reposted on our, our page. He had the big, huge excavator, and I asked you guys, where do you listen to the show from? So Geo says, here are three jack wagon riders. Toronto mayor wanting... A handgun ban after terror attack, but won't blame terrorists. His second one is Montreal mayor wanting to ban handguns after terror attack, but won't blame terrorists. And then the third is Canadian Prime Minister, who is calling a terror attack mental illness. And then he sends me some links to these um, these articles in, in Canada. So uh, you guys can Google that and find that information. And then he goes on to say, let's do some Canadian content sometime. Cheers. Love the show. Mindy Robinson is my new favorite. She's awesome. <laughs> yeah, she's she's pretty cool. It was a great show with Mindy. So uh, thank you, Geo. And speaking of that, I'm going to go to that post now, and let's uh, just kind of see where some of you guys listen to the show from. So this post was uh, August 21st. Uh, I said, hey, Leadheads, where do you listen? And this was from Geo's post. And Roger B. says, lock myself in the bathroom away from the crazy kids pretending to take a number two. <laughs> so, Dustin uh, W. says, in my fab shop. And then he's got a picture of uh, some kind of cool ATV vehicle. Let's see what he says. This is a proof of concept working prototype vibratory fiber optic plow <laughs> it also doubles as a pretty sweet toy if you pull the rear attachment off so yeah it's pretty cool looking so you guys can go check out out that picture on the post and then geo's posting some guns that he's got in canada jerry b says i listen wherever i can as soon as i can each week giddy up in the car or mowing the lawn sometimes at work via YouTube yes I'm one of those five views <laughs> on YouTube yeah because we don't get a lot on YouTube but we do post on YouTube because I have had requests that that's the only way some people can listen uh, to the show and I am going to start posting more videos back to YouTube so you guys stay tuned for that uh, Robin K says in my truck 30 miles to near a supermarket here in Oregon Roger B. driving to and from work. And uh, Gio posting some more of his guns. I mean, you're just rubbing it in now, Gio. <laughs> so, and he wanted me to let everybody know that uh, gun ownership isn't as bad as some people have made it out there in Canada. Now, obviously, he's able to own some pretty sweet guns. Ezekiel E. Love listening to the podcast on Spotify while I'm at work delivering pizzas. 
Man, I wish you'd bring me one. Gotta love to keep the pizza hot and the lead hotter. <laughs> right on, brother. Ashley and Alex K. in the cab of a Manitowoc 4600 drag line in southeast Louisiana. He had to one-up you, Geo. <laughs> Look at his crane, baby. That thing is huge. Bill A. listened from a much less exciting desk hiding behind computer monitors. <laughs> out of sight, out of mind, brother. Chris K. at work in the truck. He's got him a big rig there. Nice. That'd be a good place to set up the uh, the Talking Lead studio on the road. That would be awesome. David J. in my car or at work. Very cool. So you guys go to that post and tell me where you guys listen to us from. Right now, the most impressive is, uh, I've got to say, is Geo and uh, Ashley and Alex K. And those huge freaking vehicles that they uh, listen from. I guess you guys wear headphones or something, because that's got to be loud as crap. I mean, I can barely listen to uh, podcast or music while I'm mowing the yard. So those things got to be like a hundred times louder than my mower. And ladies, I want to hear from you. I know we got some lady leadheads out there. So send me your suggestions for the show, ladies. Some things that you'd like to like us to talk about. Some guests maybe you'd like us to have on the show. Your Jack Wagon nominations, your Fact to Fight the Miss uh, suggestions, uh, or just your general comments, what you like, what you don't like about the show. So ladies, I want to hear from you, talkingled at gmail.com. So that does it with my pre-show, guys. We're going to go ahead and jump into our European vacation episode. So roll it in, Gunny. Hit it, sweetheart. Sorry, I sir. Wait for that. This is episode 260, and we are coming from coming to you from Europe. You hear some bang bang going on in the background. That's because we're at a range. And uh, before I tell you where we're at, I'm going to go ahead and we're going to introduce our our guests. Go around the table. I'm Daniel Johnson from Pioneer Arms. Yep. Thomas Stepin from Pioneer Arms United. Brian Papula from Big Three East Range Staff. And Pioneer Arms. And Pioneer Arms, yes, sir. And whoever else you want to be from. <laughs> <laughs> we are in Warsaw, ladies and gentlemen. We've had a uh, a tour of the local countries here. We've been to, um, uh, what was the one we went to? Uh, what's the KR? Uh, Krakow. Krakow. Thank you. I was going to get the local guy to say it for us. <laughs> we got the redneck saying it. <laughs> <laughs> and he did a perfect job. How do you say Krakow? Krakow. Krakow? Yep. With an F? Yep. Okay. So we've been saying it wrong the whole time yeah it's my second trip Crap over off. and still ain't got pronunciation down right yet yeah so we were there yesterday and then the day before that uh we were actually in the czech republic uh went over there and hung out uh couldn't tell you the name of the the towns we were in but uh, we were over there and then before that our first stop was in and i'm gonna is it rodham rodham yep i said that one right perfect so i think i've got that one down pat uh but this is our our Talking Lead European Vacation. <laughs> and it has been a doozy, I can tell you, Leadheads. You've been seeing the posts that I've been putting on social media, and uh, that doesn't describe uh, a tenth of the fun and uh, 
just the beauty of this country that we're having here. So thank you for having us in your country. Thank you for visiting. Thomas, it's, it's beautiful. So uh, what um, Daniel and Brian are here for uh, is an armorer's course. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, for Pioneer Arms. So you guys have been learning how to do some AK um, armoring and gunsmithing and whatnot. Yep. They, uh, they take it from zero to hero with this whole thing. I mean, you know, you talk about building something from scratch. These people really do it. I mean, they mine their own metals. They refine it. They forge it. I mean, it's not just picking up a whole bunch of pieces and slapping together like I've done with ARs before. These, these guys really start from the beginning and take it all the way to the end. Very cool. So give us an idea of what your course entailed. Well, um, our course started off with the AKs, and uh, it is the polar opposite of the AR, which is what I'm most familiar with. You know, the AR, if it doesn't almost basically fall into place, stop, you're doing something wrong. And the first thing that really shocked me was the most used tool was a hammer. So it's... Uh, now, it's, is that like a, a metal hammer or is that like a rubber hammer? Both, but the metal hammer, it, they're not shy with it. Like, there's a lot of, of beating and brute force involved in some of this stuff. Just it, go to town on it, huh? Big time. Uh, mainly with the, the metal hammer, you're using that to set your firing pins and stuff along those lines. When you're doing stuff uh, on the gun itself, you're going to use the other hammer. You're going to be a little bit more gentle with that. Right? Yeah, the rubber mallet was, was mainly for the, for the outside of the gun, and uh, on the interior was all metal hammer stuff, and boy, did that get used a lot. Don't bet. I bet. So you guys are here uh, with Pioneer Arms USA um, because Pioneer Arms Corporation uh, is exporting or importing, I guess it would be, yep, to the United States, and that's where uh, your dad, CJ, yep, uh, comes into play. He is the is it the president of Pioneer Arms USA or is he vice president? I, I thought he was vice president. He may don't be. Quote me on that. I mean, we'll we'll call him whatever. But. He's, he was on before of our first episode of the AK Corner. Uh, but C.J. Johnson, Big Three East, you guys, you leadheads are very familiar with C.J. Um, but I mean, it makes sense. So you guys are going to start servicing the the uh, firearms that are coming over to America. That's that's yeah. the whole purpose in bringing you here, too. So basically, it's a lot more cost-effective you know, to do that versus sending it back to Poland to be worked on. So Yeah, <laughs> obviously with, with the amount of product that we're coming to the U.S. with, there is bound to be some sort of failures, not necessarily from production error, but, you know, let's face it, Americans love to abuse guns. And like you said earlier, if you didn't break something, it wasn't a solid range day. So, right, uh, yeah, I, I ended up breaking a RPD, I think. <laughs> Belt-fed RPD in there. Uh, somebody had to do it. Yeah, that's typical left-hand, you know, I always break something, but. I think you got it repaired, <laughs> but that's what we're doing today. We are uh, we're getting a little hands-on, a little trigger time. That's why we're at the range. Uh, we've been shooting everything from the AKs to the PPS forty-three to, or some of the other guns we were shooting there, guys. Uh, the new uh, PM sixty-three, which is going to be uh, an addition that'll be starting to send over in uh, what did they say three months from now, Daniel? I said two to three months. Two to three months. Yeah, two yeah. To three months. So we expect maybe five to six. <laughs> typical gun talk right there <laughs> I, I like to be on the optimistic side but yeah realistically you're probably right i mean yeah. the atf and the paperwork and the way things are going it's it's bound to be some sort of snag that nobody foresaw they do yeah. have some prototypes now and that's the point that they're at they've got the prototypes now we're going to go off this and see uh what direction we're going to go and, and what problems they may have right uh, we got to shoot that. one of those in there too and that was it was a smooth shooter 
It's very yeah, smooth. Very smooth, yeah. It surprised me. Auto. You could hold it with one hand and have no problem keeping Absolutely. it on target. So you were talking about ATF and, and laws and you know all the things that we face in America, which our listeners are very familiar with, all the obstacles that uh, Americans are going through with all the gun grabbers that are out there. Well, Europe faces the same thing to a, a much greater extent because they've got a lot of these these laws already in place that we're in America fighting right now, and that's where Thomas comes in. So, Thomas, tell us a little bit about you and your organization. Well, basically, Firearms United is a, is a Europe-wide organization which gathers people who are in the shooting community, gun owners, collectors, rainy actors, you name them, you know, anyone who feels that the right to, to keep and bear arms is, is one of our basic rights, uh, comes to us and works with us, of course, if they want to. Uh, and uh, we came into existence around 2013, but we started to actually make, uh, make a signature on our times around 2015 after the terrorist attacks in Paris, mm -hmm. Charlie Hebdo, right? Right. Because the European Commission, which is the gov governing body for the, for the European Union, got a, a knee-jerk reaction, basically. And, you know, Raf, after Just this, like America. Absolutely. It's, yep. it's, it's what the politicians do, right? They, That's they, exactly what they take a tragedy and they try to turn it into a political springboard every time. Yep. And, you know, a knee-jerk reaction from the European Commission was to actually try to put even more laws on the law-abiding citizens at the pretense of fighting the terrorism. Well, if someone can tell me how more regulations for law-abiding citizens will solve a, a terrorist a threat... Yeah, I'm just failing to grasp it. I'm, I'm sorry. They just don't. How do they not grasp it? I mean, it's the same argument in America is that we have laws already in place. If they would just enforce those laws, mm -hmm. then you know maybe the people would think twice before they broke them. But even then, a criminal is a criminal, and they're going to break a law no matter what. So more laws, this is more laws they're going to break. That's the one thing. Yeah. The second thing, and you put, know. And put law-abiding citizens more in danger. Absolutely. A criminal, by definition, is somebody who's breaking the law. So more laws don't, don't stop deter criminals. the criminals <laughs> or the crime. Yeah. Right. And then again, you know, it's, it's enough to take a look at the statistics, right? In the last two years in Europe, we had 15, one, five major terrorist attacks. Only three of those were performed with the usage of the firearms. Mm -hmm. Two were, were using vehicles. Improvised bombs, and the ten of them were vehicles. Yeah, and I mean in in Nice, in France, and they're not nine. going after your vehicles. Absolutely, are they? Nope, they're not. So 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 tell me where is the logic? You know, an example which I like to bring up is that in Poland, in my country, during the summertime, three hundred sixty people drowned. Is someone trying to do something with the water, which is, which is responsible for 100% of drownings? Yes, right. we need to ban water. That's a great idea. Just ban swimming. Yeah. yeah. You can't swim. Don't drink it either. That's how you sell it. You just, you can't do this anymore. That's, that's their mentality. It's like, just take away the um, tangible object, you know, that they think is doing the harm or take away the water, you know, whatever. It's Whatever it may be. And it's exactly, you know, what, what is going on in the UK right now, right? First, there, there, was, uh, there were bombs, then there were uh, arms, now, uh, then there were knives. Knives. And, and the recently, there was, a, there was a car attack at the outside of the parliament. And what was the reaction of the major of London? He wants to curb traffic around the parliament. 
Well, you know, my my idea is maybe he should ban people, then there will be no one to attack and the problem solved. You know, that, that's actually a pretty reasonable solution. If there's no people, then there's no fighting and yeah. There's okay. no murders. Right. There's no, no deaths. There's so many problems So let's solved. just ban humanity. There's yeah. no statistics. Right. That yeah. can be banned and skewed. There's no talking lead. There's, <laughs> there's no nothing. talking lead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But we're going to have people. You know, yeah. and we're going to have this side and that side. There's always going to be, no matter what you do, there's going to be this side and that side. Of course. Yeah. You that's know, just, that's the way it's always been since the beginning of time. But this side and that side, how do you get them to agree and, and come to terms on things? That's the problem. Well, you know, I, I think that the problem for us, for, for, for gun owners, is that we've been trying to be too understanding to the other side. And we've been uh, trying to be agreeable we were making concessions mm-hmm. time after time after time. Right. And there is a point when you simply need to draw a line in the saying, no, step back. I'm sorry. It, I gave you it, already so many of my rights that I will not surrender. And you bring inch. up a great point in America. You know, that's our whole thing where uh, recently, you know, we had that Las Vegas shooting. Yep. Uh, and they were saying he was using this, this device called a bump stop. Yep. I'm familiar with it. Right. So, and a lot of people in America that, you know, they don't know what the bump stock is because it's not, it's not that popular in America. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's really just a gimmick kind of thing. Yep. Um, any, any real shooter is going to show no, that no, device. It's, more, it's just a gimmick. It's a gimmick is all it is. And you can bump fire with anything. You can bump fire with your butt, your belt loop. You know, you don't need that device to be able yep. to bump fire. But the gun grabbers took that as an opportunity to say, you know, give us this. You know, just give us because no, you guys don't even you know nobody uses this. And, you know, and you guys agree with us on that. Why don't you just give us that? Well, it's like you said, you give an it's inch, principle. you take a mile. Yeah, you give an inch, you take a mile. And so they wrote up this, you know, this big law, this saying that they're going to ban the the uh, bump stocks. Mm-hmm. Well, they kept saying that, but you look at the 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 way it's worded and and what it's in there. It's nothing to do with bump stocks. It's anything that increases the rate of fire. Mm-hmm. So that could be a trigger, uh-huh. could be a buffer spring, could be a, a gas tube. It can be my finger. Can, well, and it, it could be your finger, exactly. Like, uh, look at Jerry Musilic and how quickly he pulls the trigger on a revolver. So you're going to... Jerry Micklick? Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yes, that's what I meant. <laughs> Thank you. But, I mean, what are you going to do? You know, ban his finger? It's too fast? That's well, uh, and, and I've made that point on the show before. You must listen to the show. Yes, sir. Good point. Good point. I was going to say, are you going to ban Jerry Micklick? Because he can shoot faster than me. So he is a rate-increasing device. Uh, yep, by sure. definition, but their whole their whole thing is they want to get rid of semi-automatic firearms. That's you know that's the whole thing. But then so, but next? if we give an inch under their guise of it's a bump stock that you're giving up, in the mentality of the people, it's like yeah, go ahead and take that. Oh, okay, sign this bill. Well, look what you just signed away. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, they're they're sneaky little bastards. Yeah, it's opening the the door for more opportunities for more for more further restrictions. Honestly, if we spent the time, resources, money, and energy screening the politicians like we do with gun owners and Form 4 especially, wow, would this be a better world. I mean, if the politicians had to be educated in topics before giving speeches, wouldn't that solve some issues too? So Europe, um, I mean, you guys have been like the poster child for us in America. So we've learned from what's happened in Europe. And we, you know, we see it happening now, and that's why we're fighting so hard not mm-hmm. to get to the point where you guys are and right now. Um, so, give us an idea of the gun laws here. Now, what what does it take to own a firearm in Europe? 
Well, again, it depends country on country because we don't have a unified uh, legal code on this one, right? But the, the the fastest for me for you is to give you an example from Poland, right? Uh, they came up... Well, okay, so let, let me rewind and start. Okay. Our basic problem here is that we don't have a second amendment, which means that... As we have a, no rights. Yeah, we have no right. We can get a permission from the government, which sucks big time, right? Because I don't believe that the government is able to actually judge me whether I should or should not have a gun. This is my personal choice. Right. I respect the people who... To defend your who, life. Yeah, yeah, I respect the people who decide that they don't want to have anything with guns. That's fine. I respect their way of life. I just believe very strongly that their decisions cannot determine the way... I lead my life exactly. and, and their choices cannot be actually defining my choices. And their freedom ends where my You starts. can put a twist on yeah. this and exactly. compare it to, to any, like the gay rights yeah. you know, in America. It's the, it's the exact same argument. You know? It's like their, their argument was you can't tell me how to live my life. Mm -hmm. Tell me what to do and blah, blah, blah. Because we want to live our lives this way. And, and I have nothing against gays. I mean, my lead heads know that, you know, I'm pro rainbow, all that, yep. you know, I don't, I don't, I don't care, <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's the same, you know, it, it could fall under the same argument. Look, the example, which I always use is that I'm asking the person who tells me that I should not own the gun. I, I ask them what kind of a car they're driving Sure. and I ask them about the, the, uh, an engine capacity and mm -hmm. usually they say, say half a gallon or whatever. Right. They say, are you driving mainly to work and from work? Yep. Why do you need half a gallon? Mm -hmm. A quarter would be enough, right? You don't need more speed. Why do you need, uh, say, a 15-gallon uh, tank? Why do you need six gears? Yeah. Why yeah. not just two? Why do we even need cars? Everybody yeah. rode a bicycle, we'd all be a lot fitter. Yeah. I yeah. mean, let's, let's, let's put a five-gallon tank in a, in a car. You will be just refueling yeah. more often, right? I mean, what's, what's the difference? See, so you guys, this is great because you guys have the same, the same arguments that we're battling against yep. in America. But again, you guys are, you know, you're on a different scale than us. Yep. So uh, what, can, what can Americans do to help you guys out? Is there anything that we can do? I mean, I know it's not our country or we have no say-so. but No, I, I understand. But, you know, we are working with the NRA. Uh, okay. We have contacts with them. We're exchanging information. Whenever you've been through some battles, we are getting info on, on the statistics or how to tackle the arguments. Mm -hmm. We're feeding the information back from how it goes in Europe. So, yeah, we work together because we need to, right? I understand that we're different countries. We have different legal systems. But at the end of the day, we are all people same who fight. We're, we're in the same fight against the same people. When I was in the last year, when I was at the NRA convention, someone said that the, the only difference between Europe and the US is that you have Soros and Bloomberg. We just have Soros. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that. Uh, so where can people find your organization? Well, we're on Facebook. We have our webpage. We're running conferences. We are right now in the middle of the battle with, uh, with uh, the European Union and the European Commission because, you know, the way the legal system in Europe works is that the European Commission is actually passing a bill, which is usually, usually stupid and, and non-enforceable. And then they are pushing it down the throats of the member states of the European Union, telling them you have 15, 18, whatever number of months to implement that into your country legal system. So that, that's what they did with this firearms directive, right? They, right? they published a stupid law, which we diluted as much as we could at the Brussels level. I've spent almost two years battling this one. And now it's, it's down to implementation on the country level uh, by the member states. So there are countries who are already 
fully compliant, like France, for example, or Belgium, who just you know swallowed the whole thing without without saying uh, nothing more but thank you. Right. No surprise uh, there. Uh, but there are countries like a Czech, Rep- Czech Republic or Poland or Finland who are living uh, near to the bear, which we're saying no way, Jose. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Czech Republic wanted to change their constitution to actually be exempted from the from the directive. They failed at that, uh, unfortunately. But then they said that we will still not implement this act because we think that this is illegal. Yeah, you want to fine us, fine us. We don't give a sh- <clears throat> pardon me. Yeah. We don't care. You can say that on this show. Okay, it's <laughs> okay. perfectly okay. Uh, but yeah, we were. Uh, like I said we were in the Czech Republic yesterday uh, visiting. Um, Excalibur, and uh, there was a, a gentleman there who showed us his firearms collection, which was amazing, uh, the, the collection that he had. And he had full auto mm-hmm. weapons there, yeah. too. Uh, he actually showed us one that was used in the um, um, the assassination of, what was the guy's name? Heinrich. Heydrich. Heydrich. Yep. Um, was his? Yeah, Heydrich. Yeah, uh, he's, he was a, a SS officer running the show uh, during the occupation from Prague. There you go. Yeah. yeah, very interesting. But it just seemed like the things that he had there in America. I mean, we can own full auto firearms. I mean, there's a there's a law. There has to be a uh, there's a license and a two hundred two hundred dollar tax stamp. Yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah. Well, you know, the the funny thing in in Europe is that. When you take a look at the way we are being played or, or how the politicians do try to play us is that we have these two different levels of governments. We, we have this uber government in Brussels, which is European Commission, and we have our own national governments. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the good parallel would be a federal government and, and the state, state government in the US, right? So, so they are playing this blame game saying that there is a document, a directive coming from Brussels, which says that you can own a full auto weapon if you have a special permit. Mm-hmm. It doesn't define how, but it says you can, right? However, the directive is being defined as the, the lowest minimum required law of the, uh, level of the law, right. right? Which means that each member state can actually make the rules harsher. Mm-hmm. They can put more restrictions. So they, they come to you with more restrictions saying the Brussels told us. But when you analyze the document, it's not like this. We could have a full auto if our own national governments would allow for this. So you know, this is always this 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 blame the politicians, right. this this game the politicians do, and we need, just need to expose them and we need to demand our rights. What are your laws on suppressors here? Uh, see, Poland is a, is a Poland. funny thing here because you can own it legally, you can't use it legally, and you can you can't buy it legally. Which means that if I want to have a suppressor just for fun of having it, I need to jump to Czech Republic, buy it, and come back. Which, 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 which is you know, yeah, I know that this so is they don't sell stupid. them here. Yeah, no, they don't sell them because it's illegal. Them, but I can, but you can bring own it. it. Yeah, but I can own it. So you know that. Do you that, have to get a special uh, license or anything to bring it in after you purchased it? No, no, wow. no. So you know, this is this is a complete craziness, right? <laughs> this is a law for the sake of a law. Yeah, it, it changes nothing. Really but, doesn't. you know, I, I just wanted to jump on a, on, a, on a subject which you brought some time ago that you're hearing about all this happening in Europe, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the best response to this is tell them, yeah, sure, let's take a look at Europe. Let's take a look at, at Finland and Switzerland. Sure. Finland has a 47 guns per 100 citizens. Uh, the reserve force 
and they have one of the lowest crime rates in the whole Europe. Yep. You take a look at the Switzerland, technically not a, not a member state of the European Union. They're just part of the Schengen Agreement, so you can go there without, without using your passport. Yep. The ID is enough. But right. the gun laws are a great example. Go but yeah. the government in Switzerland doesn't know how many guns the citizens own. Why? Because prior to 2000, they didn't even have to register them. So they don't know who owns what guns, in what quantity, what ammunition, nothing. And that's the way it should be. And they've got one of the lowest crime rates. Absolutely. Yep. And look at this. <laughs> there are no terrorist attacks in, in Switzerland, nor in Finland. That is true. Well, it sort of begs the question then, what is the variable that those two countries are able to control to keep crime so low with gun ownership well, so high? Well, one's their immigration, I would think. Uh, they've probably got strict immigration. I, I wouldn't say so. I think that, that uh, Finland and Switzerland are pretty open to immigration. They do yeah. control it, but it is, this is not like they are completely closed countries. It's, it's not well, like this. Well, no, but yeah, but they, they're, they control it, just yes. like you said. absolutely. Whereas in America and some of the European countries... Take a look at Germany. They right? call it control, but there's no control there whatsoever. They're mm -hmm. just, it's a floodgate. Just yep. come absolutely. on in. Come absolutely. on in. Yeah. Uh, but on, on the other hand, it's that in both countries, you have a legal requirements to go through the army service. Mm -hmm. All citizens. Yeah. All citizens are being trained as soldiers, which creates the, the proper behaviors towards the weapon, teach them responsibility. From a young age, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's, that's, that's a trick. You have this system going on for generation after generation, and you have a great gun culture, no crime, everyone's happy. Who could ask for more? Yep. Who could ask for anything more? <laughs> Very good. So um, one more time, Thomas, though, you got a website? Yes, we Social do. media? Yes. All We're that? on Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. Yep. Okay. What is it? It's Firearms United. Firearms United? Yep. Okay, is it firearmsunited.com or .uk? Uh, Firearms-united.com. Okay. And then they just Google it and they can find it. And you guys yep. are on um, Instagram, Facebook? Instagram, no. Facebook, yes. Uh, Twitter, yes. Okay. So you can look at that. So what's your what's your cause? I mean, your main thing you guys are fighting right now. I know you, we were talking a little bit off air. You've got something mm -hmm. um, that's hot right now that you guys are... Well, you know, as, as I said, for the last two years, we've been little on a back foot because we've been hit by this, by this new firearms directive coming from the European Union, which first we diluted right now. We're working with the member state governments to actually try to implement them in the way that it will, it will do the least possible damage to the gun-owning community. But after we're done with that, somewhere next year, our plan for the next five to seven years is to actually tackle the Brussels and try to remove the directive from the legal system at all. Yeah. Or at least change it in a way which will be favorable to us. Very good. Daniel, Brian, I want to hear uh, a little bit about the highlights of your class. What What's the biggest thing that you've taken away from your armors course? Honestly, there, there is no there is no single biggest thing. I could go on and on and on. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to give a shout out to uh, Hubert, who went way out of his way to make our uh, our stay here comfortable, entertaining. Hubert and Mike both, yeah. yeah. Well, well, Michael was with you guys, and uh, Hubert really took good care of, yeah. I'm not going to speak for Daniel, but I, I'll say me for <laughs> sure. Care of you. And uh, I, I'll agree with that, you know, absolutely. I mean, uh, the, the difference between, you know, Americans and, and, and Poland and, and the culture there is, uh, you know, Polish people are so hospitable. 
I mean, just absolutely in everything they do, they they take pride in it, you know, and they guilty as charged. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's something that uh, Americans. Uh, you come to Tennessee, buddy. We'll take care of you. Yeah, you're not getting the love and care you need. And where yeah. are you, Pennsylvania? No, no, no it's right. Whoa, <laughs> yeah, Pennsylvania. Fuck, no, no. But in general, you know, the, the, the Americans, uh, everywhere across the United States, we have different cultures, so to speak, small microcultures here and there. And, and mm. you know, it, it's different everywhere. But in Poland, general consensus, like everyone is, takes pride in the work they do. And they're very, very hospital. They're genuine. Mm. And that's, that's nice as, as a group of people. It's rare. It, and people, so people really take responsibility here. I mean, like, absolutely. For, for example, you know, I've, I've worked in auto shops and stuff like that when I was a teen. And you wash your hands and you dry them and you walk away. These people, they wash their hands and before they go and dry them, they wash out the sink. It's just amazing. Everybody takes responsibility. I've seen well-dressed people in suits that stop what they're doing on the phone to pick up a piece of garbage and walk it over to the trash can. Yeah, it's I mean, extremely clean. Yeah, we could really Poland, take a lesson. The Czech was that way. Czech Republic was that way as well. Yeah, you know, and, very and clean. Going forth with the cleanliness of it, uh, not only is that is it like that on the streets and and stuff like that when you're walking around the factory that we were working in. Oh yeah, it immaculate. Was, immaculate. It was yeah. unreal. I mean. You would come through and a lady would be mopping and cleaning up and then, you know, maybe you walk back through an hour later and guess what? It's getting mopped again. Yeah. Like for a gun factory, you know, of all factories, it is very, very clean. And the people there, again, take a lot of pride in what they're doing and yeah. the product and that's that they're making. that's what it boils down to is, is the pride. But to get back to your, uh, your original question, what were some of the takeaways? Uh, Hubert hooked us up with a guy named uh, Chadmick, and yeah. this this guy knew his stuff backwards and forwards. He could have sleepwalked through the AK thing, and uh, like I said, I had very little experience with the internal workings before I came here, and in just a matter of a couple of days, we both feel super confident to be able to do just any of the service that would be required. There are some machinery that we'd need to tool up back home mm-hmm. in uh, South Daytona. That's coming, though, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah but, coming. I mean, yeah. As, as far as working with the hand tools, the tricks of the trade, when you do something out of order, like how do you, what's the workaround instead of having to take it all over, you know, take it apart and start from the absolute beginning. I mean, you know, he showed us the basics. He showed us the advanced. He showed, hey, this is a failure. This is how you get out of the failure without stripping it down to zero. I mean, he really knew his stuff, and he really knew how to, you know, convey it even through a language barrier. Good. So uh, yeah. that's that was pretty impressive, and we didn't stop with the AK. He used the PPS forty three platform. We spent two days doing that too, and uh, we even had a uh, more than a more than an intro, but less than an advanced introduction. Hey, you guys got a lot in in a couple of days. We though, got a lot in in a couple yeah. of days. I mean, we would tear car, uh, tear a gun apart from the ground up, and then. Boom, put it back together. All right, what are we doing? We're doing this again. Yeah. What are we doing? We're going to do this again. And just Repetition. kept doing it and doing it. And, you know, just speaking for myself, and I'm sure Brian would agree with me, but, you know, that process is ingrained in our brains right now. We could think about it and, okay, well, this step, this step, this step, mm-hmm. and visually see it in our mind on how to do this. Yeah, not only that, I close my eyes and I see the schematic yeah. on the inside of my eyelids at this Absolutely. point. Absolutely. I mean, it was That's the way it should be. It so was drilled into us. And apparently, it, you guys, exactly. you you did, you accomplished what you came here to do. Beyond. We, we, we are very solid in not only the American platforms for these firearms, but even the European ones. 
So the, the things that you can't get in the U.S., like you're talking post-ban, full mm-hmm. auto, yeah. we know those backwards and forwards, too. We'll probably never have to service any, but never know. should they come and, across the uh, the table and need some help, yeah, we definitely have it. them solid. Absolutely. Very good. And, you know, a little background on Pioneer. I'm not sure how much has been talked about them on Talking Lead. A lot. A lot. So... <laughs> um, Go ahead and say your, your piece, then. Uh, my piece of what I've got to say about them. I mean, it's really unique in a sense that in America, um, you'll have factories and stuff, and and they they outsource a lot of their products that they use. Mm-hmm. You know, here, everything is made in-house, next to maybe some springs. Springs, and, pins, and uh, screws. Yeah. yeah, they make everything in-house. Mm-hmm. And even the tools that they need mm-hmm. yeah. made in-house, you know. Uh, the tools what, to make the tools that... Yeah, the things that they need to be made for the AKs. Yeah, was it the CNC bits? They were made in house too, wasn't yep. that right? Yeah, yeah. They, they they were making incredible cool. amount of stuff yeah, there, so and, it's, and it, it's it's impressive to see this foundry at work and the kind impressive. of things that uh, the human ingenuity can bring about. It definitely left an impression on me as well. Now I know something else that left an impression on you guys are their uh, convenience stores here, the gas stations. <laughs> yeah, you know we went. You guys, we, want to talk about the yeah Club BP? We ended Club up at BP. the uh, at the BP gas station quite a lot. I mean, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it became almost ritual, and then by the end, I'd, I'd feel weird if we didn't make a trip. You know, at least once a day over there. Yeah, yeah, you guys were there. That we was were, kind of your stomping ground, wasn't it? We were trying to rack up some points, you know, maybe get some free stuff over here at the at the BP. At the BP, they got yeah. points over there. No, they didn't. Yeah. Unfortunately, you found out they didn't. You're like, oh darn! <laughs> it didn't slow us down any, though. Yeah, but that's another thing too. I mean, you're talking about um, the friendliness and the cleaning. Even their, I mean, their gas stations, the bathrooms, and everything. It's, oh, it's immaculate. Yeah, everything. it's it's amazing because you think of a gas station bathroom. You know, at least I do because I grew yeah, up in the northeast, and yeah. They, yeah, you dread it. It's scary. You kind of hold your breath when you go in there. Right. Not these places. It's not only clean, but I mean, it's it's built properly. And it's maintained properly. Yeah. When something breaks, you don't see duct tape on it. You know, no. somebody had removed it, repaired it. And Thomas can what, answer this question. Thomas, so the, the toilets, when you go yep. to the toilet, there's two buttons. Mm-hmm. What are the two buttons for? Why are there two buttons? Well, uh, there, there was, no, no, no. There was a smaller flushing, right? Yeah, it's 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 about the difference in flushing, right? I thought it was a heater, right? No, it's it's it's. Uh, <laughs> Can't wait for my toilet to, 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 pres- to preserve some water, right? For number one and number two, smaller yeah. amount of water for number one and the larger one for number two. Mm-hmm. That's that, 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 that's, that's the design. Yep. So the larger ones. For number two. Number two, and the smaller ones for number one. Yep. What if you push them together? Because that's what I've been doing, because no, I didn't it's, know. It's, it just goes for number two. Okay. So you're using more water. So I'm using, yeah, I'm being no, I'm a typical American. 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 <laughs> but you yeah. bring up another great point in that not only, you know, your water conservation, just, you know, with your toilets, but your lights also. I noticed that most places that I've gone in, they have an, uh, like a sensor, motion sensor yep. for the light, whether you're in or out. Yep. And even in, in the uh, factories that I've been in mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. toured, the factories are that way also. You turn around a corner, the lights off, then when you hit yep. boom, it comes on. Uh, so, I mean, you guys are real big into the uh, conservation. Well, you know, basically, you know, I, I like to say that that we are just still developing our economy after we broke up with with the, the, the Eastern Bloc in 1989. Yeah. So uh, we're still not a very rich country. So saving money comes natural to us, right? Because yeah. we want to get rich faster. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And even in uh, That's a good point. Yeah. public convenience stores, your mall, for an example, you know, if you've got a plastic bottle to throw away, you're not mm-hmm. throwing that in the trash can. You're throwing it in the recycling can yep. and paper and cans and everything else. Yep. I mean, they, they, they take pride in that. 
And going forth with uh, the water and the flushing and stuff like that, the water here, you definitely... Uh, don't drink. You don't drink it. Don't drink the tap water. You don't drink the tap water. And, and something kind of nice in the culture here is they've got the natural water and the mineral water. And it's it's common for... The you carbonated. Either yeah. one, yeah. The bubbly water. Um, yeah, so I've been drinking a lot of the bubbly water. been burping a lot. I've but. never had so much seltzer in my life. Right. Absolutely. But it's, it's good water. Uh, so... One last thing that you'd leave with the, the lead heads about your European experience. Well, first off, you know, I'd, I'd like to thank uh, CJ for inviting me out on this trip. It's an honor to be here. And, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed not only the culture and the food. The food is amazing here. But, I mean, the experience and everything else. So, yeah, the uh, food. That's what I was going to talk about. That's, the food is amazing here. And it's plentiful, so, <laughs> I guess is the word I'm looking for. But the Polish food is is really good and and mike has done a really good job in taking us and getting us different taste of different types of cuisine that mm-hmm. that's in Poland and in the czech republic when we were over there as well uh trying that out that uh, uh the goulash is amazing here mm-hmm. yeah it's really really good they even have sushi here we had sushi last night oh wow we it's, all had tartar tartar uh he had a tartar salmon last night yeah, and that was amazing. Yeah. Tartar salmon. He said that's even yeah. better than the the uh, the steak tartar. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. And it was uh, salmon on top of like a hash brown with caviar. I mean, does it get any better than I, that? I don't think it does. I don't think it does. I mean, one thing's for certain. I've I've gained at least ten pounds since I've been here. I'm, I'm right there with you. And you so, know what else? This the bacon. They love bacon in their soup. They love bacon in their salads. I, like I mean, bacon. I love bacon too. I like it the bacon. So like one thing bacon. that is uh, kind of unique to here. Because like uh, anywhere in America, if you look out across an agricultural field, it's going to be more or less the same crop, mm-hmm. just miles of it. You know, here you're going to have it's like, it's like in strip rows. You'll have a row of what? What's some of the common crops around here? Yeah. Corn, Wheat, corn, wheat, corn, apples. Yeah. apples. So yep. apples are huge. On our way to the Czech Republic, there were apple orchards yep. beyond apple orchards, and then when we got past that, there was corn, just mm-hmm. fields and fields yep. and. A lot so more than I've ever seen in any United the United States. Well, Daniel and I were state. fortunate enough to be able to uh, sample some of these apples, like right off the tree, and wow, you know, non-GMO, growing yeah. in, you yeah. know, it, it's phenomenal. That's, the, that's to be nice. said for for the majority of their produce that's here too. It's all local, fresh stuff. Yeah, absolutely, and we try to preserve it like this. I mean, of course, you have this mass-produced uh, food, right? Mm, but sure. but still, uh, the vast the vast quantity of food produced in Poland is quite natural from non-GMO resources, which tastes great, is healthy for you. And uh, we are exporting a lot of that to the rest of Europe because they recognize the quality of the food produced in my, in my country. Yeah, And it doesn't necessarily affect the price either, you know? No, not really, no. It's, it's Not like it's, it does in America. They charge like double for... Double, like yeah. three to four healthy. times. In America, natural, natural chicken, I mean, it's triple the price of, of a breast of uh, GMO type. So, I mean, yeah. here it's not. It's not that way. The quality well, of the food. You know, we still, we still have a living tradition in Poland of having these country markets, which are in certain places. Even, you know, you, you go 30 kilometers outside of Warsaw, which is a capital city where I do live, right? Mm-hmm. Every Saturday morning, I'm going straight to the fresh market when I'm meeting farmers selling this stuff, chickens included, mm-hmm. which were killed like two hours ago. They're still warm. But that's the fresh stuff I buy to eat. Absolutely. And that's the way it should be. No argument here. 
So, uh, Thomas, yep, got to ask you, how old were you when you got your first firearm? Uh, I started pretty late, to be honest. I've, I had my first firearm when I was 40. When you're 40? Yes, okay. because, you know, I had this, this working history when I was working uh, for various corporations, and I've been sent all over the, the, the world, basically. Middle East included for three and a half years. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was hard for me to get the paperwork altogether because I was constantly on the move, right? But when I finally settled back uh, in, in Poland, I've, I finally made the permit and, uh, and I had my firearm. What was your first firearm? That was uh, a Heckler Koch USP uh, expert, mm -hmm. 9 millimeter. Nice. And you still have that one? Absolutely, sir. Absolutely. Of course you do. <laughs> and what have you added since then? Uh, you know, uh, Armory. another USP in 45, um, two or three ARs, Daniel Defense, Puff, uh, what else? I have, of course, uh, AK Platform, I have Mossberg Shotgun. Do you have full auto? Do you have that license for full no, auto? No, I don't have a license for full auto. Um, now, is the full auto, because we've got a, you know, the post-ban thing after a certain year, that it was made, you can't own it. You know, it's got to be made before a certain year. No, uh, that, that goes for, for a black powder weapons, right? I mean, uh, the law says that if you have an actual gun or a replica of a gun designed before 1885, mm -hmm. then you can own it without a permit. Okay. So this is the only category of, of a gun you can have without in Poland a without a permit. You just go to the store, right. you buy it. But the full auto good. permit that you get, is there any restrictions on the age of the, the no. full auto? So you get a no. brand new full auto. No, there, there is no restriction. Gun. Absolutely. Nice. And it's being used, you know, for some training companies, right? Sure. They, they, they get the, uh, the so-called training permit, mm -hmm. and then they, they can get the full auto for, the, for their operations. Okay. Do Which, you have any military or law enforcement background? Uh, myself, no. Okay. You know, no. Speaking of permits here, um, I heard that there's all different levels of uh, concealed weapons permits, from security to sporter to things like that. Do you know uh, anything? Any of those on details? Well, you know, basically, because because we have different kinds of permits, right? So you can have a collector's permit, you can have a, a sport shooter permit, you have a self defense permit, uh, and 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 some others. But but. The most popular ones are the, the, the sport permits because they are easiest to get. You just need to sign up to a club, participate in number of, of uh, competitions per year, and then, then you're good. Of course, you need to pass the exam from knowing the law, uh, get through a, a psychological evaluation. Don't go into this way in the U.S. if you can avoid it. It's just... Yeah, it, no, it, we don't have those. Yeah, and again, uh, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's just... A check of a point in time, it doesn't give you too much. It just costs you money and create a does financial barrier to get exactly. your paperwork. Does, right? this, does a psychological uh, test come into play for all the types of licenses? Yes. For, for all of, of them? Yes. Okay. And uh, so for, for the self-defense permit... Well, let, let me interrupt sorry, you and yep, go back to the sure. sporter for a second here. Because yep. my understanding with the sporter permit is you can carry a concealed pistol. However, you are not allowed to carry with a bullet in the chamber, which is insane to me. Then again, you were misinformed. Oh, really? Uh, yes. Uh, I'm carrying... I'm, I, I have a sport license. I'm carrying, I'm, I'm carrying one in the chamber. But you're oh, not but carrying concealed? I'm carrying concealed. I had it under my shirt. Okay. So uh, when you have a, a per sport shooter permit or a self-defense permit, this is absolutely legal in Poland to carry it concealed, loaded with a, with a bullet in the chamber. Okay. 
I was need to re re educate your source. Well, no, yep. no, no. He had a uh, sports. No, no, permit. we're not naming names. Okay, we're not naming. Well, names. no, but he he he, he told me that uh, that he never carried with a bullet in the chamber. Well, I heard that too. I was there when he said that too. Okay, right, and yeah, I inquired yeah, why yeah. and. Yeah. No, because you know, again, I'm I'm not gonna say about the particular people, but the the change which allowed for that is quite recent. It's from 2014, so some people still didn't catch up that they are allowed to do so. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I do. I mean, otherwise, what's the point of carrying a gun if it's not loaded? I'm right, right. there with you. Yeah. So, new guy questions. We're, we're continuing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and and you know, I'm, it's it's always I have this conversation sometimes with people who say, well, you know, I don't want to carry it with with the one in the chamber because uh, we have that same argument in America because know? because you know I'm I'm not feeling confident. My answer is get more training. Yeah, get more training. Well, get, that, confident. get more confident. Or just don't carry one in the chamber. That's fine. Yeah. You know, train to chamber yeah. it when you pull. You know, yeah. that, that's okay. People train that way, and that's okay. Just like people who aren't comfortable carrying a firearm shouldn't carry a firearm. Absolutely. It's like you were saying earlier, I, you know, I don't want to impose something on you that you yep. don't want or you're not comfortable with. Yep. So when it comes to pop culture, mm -hmm. what's your go-to that's firearms related, whether it's a book, a movie, a TV show, maybe a song, maybe a video game. I don't know if you're a gamer. I probably will surprise you, but I think that for me, there are, there are two movies which I go back to uh, very often. One is a cliche. It's a Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> okay, right. love it. Classic, classic. It's uh, a universal movie. Right? Arlie yeah. Army, love Absolutely. that movie. And and then another one which I which I really like, which is on a lighter note. It's um, uh, Clint Eastwood, Heartbreak Ridge. Heartbreak Ridge. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Improvise, adapt, overcome. What was the guy's name that was in that? Um, Bionic Marine. He was the guy that played the yeah, music. Yeah. And Bionic the name, yeah. Marine. Da, 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 da. And then the Swede. Yes. Swede, 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 Swede. Yeah. <laughs> I love the movie. It's classic. Yeah. Yeah. Those are two good ones, man. Good pull. So what is your next bucket list gun? What do you got to have, want to have? Uh, I'm, I'm actually have a, have a design which lays with my gunsmith for a long-range shooting platform mm -hmm. and the um, .308 caliber because I want to go into long-range shooting. Nice. But it will be custom. Precision. It will yeah. be custom-made for myself. So yeah, there was a guy here earlier that was uh, showing us some mm -hmm. long-range precision stuff that they do here at competitions. Uh, laws be damned, rules be damned, money. You could own anything. That you wanted, what would you own? Oh wow! Uh, no limits. Barrett light, half an inch. What is it? Barrett, uh, the fifty cal. Yep, the Barrett fifty cal. Yep. Okay, that's just for the fun of it. Hmm. Just for can you not have those here? Nope. Is it because of the uh, caliber? Yes, it's it's a caliber. We have a caliber limitation up to 12 millimeters for sport ah, shooters. Oh, right? gotcha. Okay. But we're sense. just working on some changes in this area, fingers crossed. Okay, very cool. Is there a firearm in your collection, in your arsenal, that maybe you're a little ashamed to admit that you own? Mm, nope. No nope. such thing. Nope. Every, okay. gun, every guns are beautiful. <laughs> there you go. That's a good answer. Yep. If you could spend the day at the range with anyone or any group of people, alive, dead, fictional, mm. even, 
And we know you, you picked Clint Eastwood, but don't pick Clint Eastwood. <laughs> well, then we have to go back to another movie, right? Uh -huh. uh, R.E. Emery. Arlie Army? Yep. Yeah. Unfortunately, deceased recently. Yeah, he just Lord But we soul. can bring him back. Yes. In then, this then scenario, he is yeah. back with us. Absolutely. And then I want to spend a day with him. Very good. So uh, you don't know this because you never listen to the podcast, but he does the introduction to one of our segments. It's called the Jack Wagon Train. Okay. And that's, cool. that's somebody who uh, we point out that has done something stupid or embarrassing. Mm -hmm. um, not, not particularly to the second... Uh, the 2A community or, or gun owners, but pretty much just anybody. Okay. So if you were to throw somebody in the jack wagon train right now, who would you want to throw in the jack wagon train that the gunny could haul off for you? Oh, the whole bloody European Commission. <laughs> 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 so you'll have a bunch of them. We got a big train. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We have a big train. Very no, good. I mean, you know, just to, again, I, I don't want to go back to this in full details, but just to give an example from where we've been starting with the original proposal of this firearms directive coming from brussels they wanted to put a total ban on any firearm quote which visually resembles a one which is fully automatic That's scary which That's mean scary which, which means gun. which means everything everything yeah. looks like full auto right <laughs> my finger looks like full auto yeah. you got some scary fingers marty i do i got some jacked up <laughs> fingers <laughs> So you know, th so that that was the level from which we've been starting yeah. our uphill battle with those guys, right? And when we're not nearly finished, right? And we'll continue, but that that gives you an example again to to what we've been telling before. Give them mm. an inch, they take the mile. That's their approach. They want the salami yeah. tactics. Exactly and, how it's and, working and, in and, America, yeah. And and that's their agenda. Don't don't get yourself fooled. Yeah. So if there's just the, is that the bit of um, information, the little tidbit that you would give Americans? Absolutely. Don't give them an inch, right? Nope. Very good. Ever. Thomas, it's been great speaking with you. Thank you for taking the time to be on the Talking Lead podcast. Thank you for having me. And one more time, where, where can they get in touch with your organization? Uh, Facebook, Firearms United, or our Firearms uh, United webpage. Just Google us. We're there. We're active. We're fighting for your rights. Check them out, Leadheads, Firearms United. Go show them the American support. Daniel, Brian. Thank you guys so much for being on. I know that uh, I'll have you guys on uh, in the future. Yeah, I hope so. I've always wanted to be on the show. It's a real honor again. to be here. And Thomas, I would love to have you on again. Uh, Absolutely. Keep us up to date on on the fight here, and uh, we'll we'll collaborate and, and work hand-in-hand hand every way we can. I'll be back. <laughs> That's <laughs> nice. perfect way to end. I like that. Actually, I want you to do my sign-off that I do with okay. me. So I'll say, when I close every, all my shows, I say, and as always, leadheads, keep your loved ones close. And then my guest will say, and your firearms closer. Okay. And then we'll let him do it, and then I want you guys to do it. Okay, we're going to do two. And say your name. Uh -huh. Thomas? Yeah. Uh, if you want to put your oh, last okay. name in there, you can. Yep. Okay. Um, Thomas, step in. Thomas with the organization you're yep. with. Uh, and keep your firearms closer. And as always, leadheads, keep your loved ones close. And your firearms closer. Thomas with Firearms United. Perfect. And you guys do it in unison. Just say, this is Daniel, this is Brian. Keep your firearms closer. And if you want to put a twist, you know, your AK or, you know, whatever you want to, you can, you can do that. And as always, leadheads, keep your loved ones close. And, and your, your firearms, firearms closer. closer.
Brian Papula, Big Three, Pioneer Arms. And Daniel Johnson, Pioneer Arms. All right, lead heads, we are back, and this is the Talking Lead European Vacation. And uh, what's the name of this range? Give me half a second. I, I, I grabbed their card. So as you can hear, I've got new guests now joining me here uh, at this gun range that we don't know the name of. It's a beautiful gun range, <laughs> it's though. A, it is. It's an awesome gun range. We're looking for a card that has it on it. How do you pronounce this, Michael? Strzelnica FSO. There you go. That's where we're at. That's where we're at. <laughs> I'm not even going to attempt that. <laughs> but it's basically, we were told that this is the largest indoor range in Europe. In Europe? I, mean, all, I thought it was just Poland, but all of All Europe. of Europe is what they claim. I don't know if it okay. is or not, but it's a well, gorgeous facility. Well, we know how people do that in America. They make those false claims. But let's go around the table and introduce ourselves. Hi, I'm David Fortier from Firearms News Magazine, Outdoor Sportsman's Group. I am Rob Manning from Gunworld Magazine, Editor-in-Chief, uh, Engage Media. And I am Mike Michalczuk, the President of Pioneer Arms Radom, Poland. There he is, Mr. Mike himself, our, our consummate host. He has uh, ingratiated us with all the culture and uh, sites and everything of this part of Europe, Poland, Czech Republic. Where else did we go? I mean, we went so many places. I didn't know where we were half the time. Uh, we, we had a whirlwind uh, travel, didn't we? We did. We did. Uh, flew in on Saturday. Uh, today, as we're speaking, this is Friday? I don't even know what day it is. I think it's yep. Thursday or Friday. Oh, Friday. Friday. It's Friday. So we head out tomorrow. So this, this is our, our last day. And what a bang for yep. last day so let's let's talk about let's kind of recap our week that we've had as as media folk um i'll start with you so kind of start us off on our our day one when we get to the airport well uh we all flew over together from chicago and we flew into warsaw had a great flight over uh it was cloudy a little bit rainy when we got off the plane and walked out through uh customs uh and then we headed to Rodham, which is about oh hour, hour and a half drive, and checked in for the night. And then the next day, we had a chance to go through the Pioneer Arms facility. Now, I've been to a number of AK manufacturers, uh, Zestava, Ismash. Uh, I've talked to Israelis uh, who build the Galil. Um, talked to a lot of different companies that build AKs, and they all say it's an extremely difficult rifle to build. And I think a lot of Americans all admit to that, that it's a very difficult rifle to make. So it was really interesting to have a chance to go through the Pioneer Arms facility. Yeah, and we got to see step by step every part of the AK, everything. I mean, it made it look simple. What's yeah. amazing is we always think of uh, the AK having loose tolerances, but... I was, uh, it was eye-opening for me to see how uh, the process is actually a very precise process. Um, the, uh, the casting, the machining, everything is extremely precise, and I would have never guessed that. Yeah, it is. And uh, this is Mike's company, Pioneer Arms Corporation. As you guys know, they are the sponsors of the Talking Lead AK Corner, which episode coming soon, so stay tuned for that, Leadheads. Talk about your... Your company, how did you get started with Pioneer Arms Corporation in the AK business? Uh, we started uh, Pioneer Arms in 2001, and uh, in the beginning we were doing the different products. Uh, we were making side-by-side -side, uh, double-barrel shotgun, um, and we were 
pioneers in this because this was the first side by side shotgun built in Poland. Uh-huh. Uh, that's pioneer arms, right? <laughs> yeah, th- it is. Yes, that's that's why it's pioneer. Yeah. So our first, uh, this, was, this was cowboy action shotgun. Um, in about 2007-2008, we we um, decided to go into the AK production. Uh, we bought mm. um, complete documentation for the AK platform as well for other products like PM63, PPS from the uh, government appointed liquidator uh, who was selling the Plant 11, um, actually piece by piece, machinery, everything what Plant 11 was producing. So we got the um, complete technical documentation as well the rights to produce AK and those other fires. Very important to have that. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Uh, Going back a little bit, what you were guys saying about the tolerances and how you um, were looking at our plant, of course, AK is the gun who allows the, in some aspects, the tolerances, uh, it works better in dust, mud, but there are some critical tolerances you cannot omit. Mm-hmm. And if you will do that, the gun will fall apart after a few hundred rounds. So that's important for all of the AK home builders to be, to be aware. aware of that. Of course. Right. As they're getting these part kits from who knows where. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You never know what's good and what's not good. Critical tolerance, for example, it's on the between um, there is two holes in the bolt carrier, uh, and I don't know how much it would be in, in standard, but in metric it's 0.05 millimeter, the distance between the center of the hole for the um, uh, recoil mechanism and the hole for a bolt head. Right. Uh, if this is not done properly. Expect the gun to fall apart. It's gonna have after. failures. Exactly. Right. Very good. So uh, you guys are into, like I said, doing the, the AKs now. You have plans to do some other things in the future, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Um, but let's talk about our European trip, guys. Um, this is a. It's been my first time in Europe. I know you guys have been to Europe before. Um, Dave, you've been here uh, through media means. Yep. Uh, were you here with the military? No. Oh, Rob? No, no I was okay. here on, uh, well, I, let me back up. So Maybe we can't talk mili- about Rob's military <laughs> experiences either. I forget, he's secret squirrel. So. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, I was actually here, my, my wife is in the Army Reserves, and we came, we lived for three months in Germany and did all the tours, all the different countries and all that, and we did uh, have the pleasure of coming to Poland only for a day, but had a great time. And so when I first found out about this trip to Poland and that I'd be able to return and sample the delicious food. The cuisine. The yeah. cuisine is incredible. We were talking about that earlier when I had uh, Brian and Daniel on uh, and their their gas station cuisine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, uh, they're the uh, BP club, I think, is what they call it. That's been says. a running joke all week. Yeah. Brian loves the gas station. Yeah, and their gas stations here are really nice. You know, we were talking about how clean and well, the, I, I the think food it's a, they have is really good, too. I, I think it's uh, so many Americans never leave the country, and they don't have a chance to get out and see other parts of the world. And even to this day, uh, Eastern Europe is a little bit of a mystery still. And so it's always interesting to get Americans over here and have them look around and, and see what it's actually like. And it's a little bit of a surprise, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah, I think so. So um, back to our first day. 
Uh, we did the tour of Pioneer Arms Corporation. Uh, what's what's one of the main things that you took away from that tour, David? Well, the, what I wanted to see was the foundry, okay? Because yeah, there's a lot amazing. of controversy in the United States as far as cast purse, cast parts versus uh, forged, and to actually go in and to see how they cast the parts. It's all in-house. They've got their own state-of-the-art foundry that they set up. So I wanted to really have a chance to poke around there and go through their paperwork and see exactly how they do stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that was very interesting. And you're talking about the, the mixture, you know, that you you guys have a recipe, you know, to liken it to a, a cook. Uh, you know, we have fully controlled process and uh, we're not like a regular pouring house we do own recipe for the steel and we control the steel on the, on every stage stage of the pouring and also we 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 work out our own recipes who give the strength of regular um, uh, bullet material so yeah. and so your quality control was very impressive too i mean you guys have we checks upon yeah, checks. We X-ray every part. Uh, every critical part is hundred percent X-ray. You were you were able to see we have live X-ray machine, right? Which shows you know the interior Any inclusions or anything yeah, exactly. Like that. Yeah, exactly. But even your recipe, you you like triple check it. You triple check that recipe before you make the pour. Yes, to, to yes. We triple check it with the samples, and you know we we we. This is our own recipe. We, it took us o over the year to to get right chemical components to to achieve the steel alloy we want to have it. Yeah. What about you, Rob? Yeah, that's what's impressive to me is the quality control that we saw there. Um, they do almost everything in-house, with the exception, I think you said, uh, a couple springs. Yeah. springs. Other than that, they have control of the entire process. And to get to watch, you know, stamping the receivers and, and pouring the castings, that was all very impressive. Yeah. We even got to feel the heat from the casting. I mean, that was, that was pretty <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that was. We got to we got the video too. So you guys make sure you go to these guys' social medias and uh, check out the post that they've done from our trip. And let's give that to them now, so they can go ahead and start looking while they're listening to us on the the podcast here. For uh, firearms news, www.firearmsnews.com, and then Instagram is at firearms news. Yes, and it is. Facebook is at. We got their social media guy right over here. He's filming us right now. Joe Chris. Joe Chris in the house. Uh, we ran out of microphones, but we'll get Joe on. He's not going to get away. We'll get him on. Uh, I heard that him and Dave wanted to share a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> what about Gunworld? We are at gunworld.com, and our Instagram is gunworldmagazine.com, and Facebook is gunworld, uh, facebook.com slash gunworld. And their magazines are all over the newsstands. A lot yes. of people don't know, but uh, I actually got my start at Gunworld in 1998. Really? Yep. There you go. A lot of the, um, for those who don't know, Gunworld has been around since 1959. We're about to hit our uh, big anniversary coming up. Um, but you can find us in print, digital, uh, pretty much anything. Uh, but as Dave was saying, a lot of writers actually got their start there at Gunworld, which when I took over as editor, I found to be pretty interesting. A lot of the guys uh, that I respect, and a lot of the huge names in the industry, started there. Very cool. It's a it is a it's a small industry. It is. You know, don't burn those bridges. <laughs> so personally, um, I mean, I thought the whole thing was amazing. And as you uh, longtime leadheads know, we did Zeke and I did a video a while back where we went to a 1911 factory, and they had the foundry, and you know, they did all the stuff in house there. 
uh, it reminded me of that process. It's a very similar process, but what really impressed me with uh, with Mike's operation is, again, the quality control that he has there. Uh, that impressed me. The cleanliness, how clean it was, you know, even in the foundry. I mean, you could lay down on that floor, and you know, it, it was it was fine. There's nothing wrong with it. The the very fine tune work that you get, you're doing. Um, on some of that, the hand, you know, we went through and the workers and were hand filing down and making sure all the burrs and all the imperfections were out. Uh, just the detail to quality was very impressive to me. And uh, that was my big takeaway from it. So we did that. Oh. And then you're going to have to, this is, this has been a long week. So what do we do next? Okay. Well, what was our one, next big one day? of the, one of the interesting things is that, of course, is that uh, pirate, Pioneer Arms is now, their home is in what used to be uh, Fabrica Brony Factory 11, okay, uh, which was uh, this huge, sprawling facility uh, dating from 1922. Government-owned, right? It was, yes. Yeah. It was a huge state arsenal, okay? And you have to think about, this was in the time when the Polish Standing Army was, you know, in the millions and stuff, okay? Mm -hmm. So huge, sprawling facility compared to what w we think about today. And very, very historic area. And so um, Joe and uh, Rob and I, we had a chance to, to sneak out and actually go through some of the old uh, historic buildings that are still standing. Yeah. They, they've been abandoned. Um, well, I'm not going to say they've been abandoned, but they're, they're empty. They're not being used any longer. They're not being longer. used right now. Yeah. And so we had a chance to go through and actually explore uh, some of these buildings. <laughs> that was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Anytime you're sneaking through a window of somewhere you're not supposed to go, it's always a good time. When you're doing something you're not supposed to do and you're getting away with it, it's a good time. It was really impressive to kind you know, growing up in the, during the Cold War. To me, it, it was uh, really neat to be able to go in and you can kind of picture the facility, what it might have looked like then. There was still some old paint. Some of it was flaking off, but you kind of see what it used to look like, and that was a really neat experience for me. That was actually one of the highlights of the week. I think it was really neat. And, and just yeah. the amount of the lives that, you know, spent so many years there working and stuff, you know, every day going in and working uh, on these different machines here. The longevity of the employees that are there. Sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So um, we, you guys did the tour. I didn't get to go on the... The little sightseeing tour of the historical buildings. You were too okay. busy working. I, I burn out. So you guys hear that buzzing in the background. I had to borrow a mixing board because uh, there's this thing that you don't do in Europe uh, with American equipment. <laughs> it's like plugging in their outlets without a converter. <laughs> so Not an adapter, but a converter. Not an adapter, but a converter. It will burn your battery. So The, the magic smoke comes out. Yeah, so... Uh, if you guys still hear that buzz, I apologize. I'll get that cleaned up as much as possible. But um, so we did that. You guys did that, and then we loaded up. We had some had some great cuisine that night. Had some great cuisine, and then we uh, loaded up and we headed to the Czech Republic. Headed to the no, well, we no. Well, first before we went to PAK. That's right. First, first we went to we went over there to look at their huge inventory of armored vehicles and stuff. Yeah, and that in the name of that company. That's Paco. Paco. Mm -hmm. And it's P-A-K-O. K-O? Yeah. Okay. I thought it was A. It's no. A no. Okay. Well, that's my mistake. And that's Christoph and Paula. Paulov. 
Christoph and Pavel. Pavel. Christoph and Pavel Yuzvik. Okay. I was calling him Paul. Okay. So oh, would, it's fine. So I wouldn't mess it up. But <laughs> I have a little trouble with all those those consonants. But uh, Operation, but, like you said, a huge military surplus that these guys are bringing in. Yeah, and when we say military surplus, we don't we don't mean like you know bayonets and Jackets magazines and, and stuff. This is like tanks, you know, uh, heavy equipment, BMPs, BRDMs, anti aircraft artillery, um, all bridges. kinds of stuff. Yeah, bridges, <laughs> rows, bridges. and you know, acres of five ton trucks. Yeah, that, and that was just impressive in and of itself. Now these guys are in collaboration with another company that was in the, the Czech Republic that we went to. Excalibur. Excalibur, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But um, some of the surplus stuff that they did, they did have some, you know, the crate stuff that we went in, some of the smaller stuff. Yeah, and, night uh, vision devices. The night vision. Talk about that. That well, was amazing. Okay, so you, you have to understand that when, when you start poking around in some places like this, you just never know what you're going to find. So one minute we could be looking at... 1950s Soviet five-ton trucks, and I can be poking on, you know, the 10,000-pound winches that they have. And then you go around a corner, and there's, like, you know, some other treasure from the Cold War. And we were walking along, and Marty's like, hey, check this out. And there's this <laughs> huge bin of metal containers, and we pop one open, and they're the old 1950s, 1960s uh, active IR night vision devices. Yeah. They're the helmet-mounted devices. You got a set of uh, binoculars that you you tilt down, and you'd be able to see using the infrared searchlights off the vehicle. And Dave, Dave tried one on. Well, of course, everyone's you like, know, "Yeah, you got to put it on. You got to put it on." It's that they look very comfortable. I mean, the padding—they've got those huge paddings. Well, it's it's, it's the basically the typical Soviet tanker-style helmet, and they've yeah. got it. They they balance it just like you wore it well. You did. Well, that's because I'm so handsome, right? <laughs> but they balance it just like people do today with modern night vision in that they have a battery pack on the back, and then they have uh, the flip-up uh, night vision on the front. So you've right. got a pair of you know, binocular night vision uh, that you flip up out of the way when you don't need them and flip yeah. them down when you do. And we've got a great Polaroid of that, so check the Instagram. There's, there's a picture. You didn't get away without getting a picture. No. <laughs> and what, it's recorded what, history. What were some of the things that stood out to you, Rob? Well, I've uh, my initially in the Marine Corps, I was an anti-tanker, uh, so the armor was neat. But one little hidden gem that I found to me that I thought was interesting was the radar array for an SA-2 SAM missile. I thought that was pretty neat. That's kind of now cool. that's not something that you just see every day, and if you did <laughs> see it, most people yeah. wouldn't know what it was. You know, the stuff that I've been looking at for decades, it was so neat to be able to climb on it. And climb in it and look at the details and look underneath it, the drop-down uh, wheels on the BMP or on the BRDM, mm -hmm. stuff like that. It's really neat. I never dreamed I'd be able to do well, something well, like see, that. Well, see, that's the thing, too, though. With with Rob's anti-armor background, uh, it was just interesting the type of things that he'd come up with uh, looking, say, at the T-72s. Where he would break into, you know, well, this has got this. Or when we were looking at the T-55s and... Uh, the T-54-55 series is... is yeah, we're talking about tanks now, guys. Talking about tanks. Yeah. Um, and he was quick to point out uh, why it was which model it was due to the return rollers on it. So it was just interesting walking around with him looking at different things. Yeah, being able to spot it just like that and yep. identify it. 
Yeah. That's what's amazing about this trip is that we have people that are experts in different areas and just the wealth of knowledge I've gotten from Dave is just incredible. Yeah, he's he's like our encyclopedia. Uh, he is I, a walking I, encyclopedia. He's like our Google. I'm he's filled, a walking Google. Filled with useless <laughs> info. So is it, it was that that's not your first time being there, obviously. No, that, of course not. At that at that facility. Uh, but you are um, friends and business associates with yeah christoph is my business associate and and uh, through him i work with excalibur army and we supply with christoph uh, our product to excalibur army that's all all small caliber uh, in right now akms style uh, okay because basically 90 percent of all the the small arms produced at pioneer are actually for military export sale yes it is okay yes, so is. only a small percentage is coming to, to the commercial in the yes, States. yes yeah. yes as, as capacity allow us to do the commercial way you know we, we shipped some but, guns but, so but you, basically major major capacity is dedicated towards the military market right so you and pacal pacal Paco yeah. and um, Excalibur are putting together package deals for military Customers. bodies, entities. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so let's let's get into Excalibur. So these these surplus vehicles are coming into Kristoff's uh, place, and then Kristoff uh, is then sending them over to Excalibur, which Excalibur another mind blowing, huge sprawling fa- facility. facility here. So uh, who wants to talk? You want to tell us about Excalibur Arms, Mike? Um, just in a nutshell who they are what they do you know that's privately owned company czech company uh, they have right now about 80 different enterprises uh, in the group uh, wow. they own tatra truck company uh, you've seen it at, at, mm-hmm. at uh, olomouc uh, or actually stenberg which is the next to the olomouc stenberg is the place where we've been together mm-hmm um and, and these know. these are huge modern uh you know off-road trucks yes yeah. yes exactly yeah. and and you know i am just amazed how how in the short period of time these uh, guys were able to to build such huge excalibur army that's the name you know yeah, excalibur <laughs> army yeah <laughs> it's amazing yeah so what they're doing is, is christoph is sending him these vehicles these surplus vehicles that are in surplus condition yeah they're they're in less than perfect condition <laughs> and they are refurbishing them to better than new uh, they basically strip it down almost every part is taken off it and it goes from surplus and then in three months they you know they put it all together and it's basically a it's brand, brand new. new vehicle that comes out of it it's uh, yeah. pretty remarkable actually uh, remember what the guy was saying that basically the vehicles which are coming are, are right, uh, out right now are better than the originals better than new. yeah, yeah. Better than the originals, well that's definitely. that's due to the quality control but yeah we, we had a chance to literally see you know from start to finish where a surplus scrapped out bmp shows up and it's a non-running state rusty and for those who don't know what a bmp is Rob, tell us what a BMP is. BMP is a tracked armored personnel carrier used by the Soviet Union and client countries. Very low to the ground, low profile. Very low to the ground. It's got uh, pretty decent firepower. It's it Just to put it in, uh, it's similar to perhaps like a Bradley, except way shorter, like half the height. But it's yeah. got a little bit of firepower, but it's designed to mostly carry troops into the battlefield. Very cool. 
and we had a chance to see them go from that state to be completely stripped down to bare metal, every single part on the vehicle removed, and then the vehicle through, goes through a process where the hull is, you know, stripped, uh, sandblasted, repaired, if any repairs need to be made on the vehicle, repainted, and then all the original components are replaced on it. Uh, so all your interior parts, uh, all the hoses, the electrical, the optics, the electronics. So Everything. And they have the ability there, too, if the part's no longer good, they... They have to make new ones. They manufacture their own parts there, too. But what was interesting, though, was the level that we're talking about where, you know, there's a lot of companies where they will get armored vehicles in and they'll do an engine rebuild and throw some paint on it. That's not what we're talking about here. When when we went through their engine shop where they completely rebuild the engines, replace everything that needs to be replaced, then they take them out and they dyno them. So they actually put them on a dyno, mm-hmm. uh, verify that they calibrate everything. And then um, one of the things that they do is they they do an endurance run on them, make sure that everything's working properly before it ever gets put into the vehicle. Yeah. It's, it's eight-hour test for one engine, yeah. Yep. <clears throat> so um, so we, we got to see that process, which was, again, mind-blowing and amazing they're doing that with the bmps they're doing it with the uh the tanks the t-72s t-72s well um, and some of the weapon systems they're upgrading or optic systems whatever for certain client countries if they want it upgraded and they actually have their own model i would call it of yeah. uh, some of the vehicles and i don't know how much we can get into on this um you know yeah. private company but, but but we'll just say like you know they had a modern bmp yeah so it'd basically be a bmp but completely modern components so you're not talking about like a 1960s era bmp you're talking about a 2018 era bmp yeah it's an excalibur army version correct yeah. it's one i want one i want one of a really kind that the only they make you can get from them yeah so yeah and they're obviously supplying to um military and private collectors most, well, mostly military. Mostly military, but yeah, some private. I'm going to talk to my boss and see if Gunworld can get one. <laughs> that would uh, be nice. T&E. Yeah. I'm thinking maybe a new lead sled. We'll just, there we'll just turn go. it into the lead. We'll You'll wrap have to it. wrap it. Wrap maybe it, we could go it. in on one together, guys. Yeah. There you go. We could do that. I think there's enough room for all our logos on one of those. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we went, like you said, from start to finish each process. Um, great tour guide. Um, it wasn't... George. Was it George? Yes. Jan. George. No. George and John. Yeah. We but, had two. But George started. George started us off. George is the one that had that awesome gun collection. Oh, yep. yeah. Yeah, and we'll talk about that real quick in just a second. But um, So then we had the opportunity to see a finished product fire. Yep. Where they, where they, uh, we went up to a test range where they're doing a test on the coaxial machine gun and the 73-millimeter main gun. What did you think of that? What what is there not to say? I mean, it was <laughs> it was pretty awesome. I, there's like uh, four uh, media guys in the group, and we all had cameras and video oh, cameras we were and geeks. just yeah. yeah we there's like eight different out. cameras going, I think. But yeah, it's, you know what? I was more geeked out about was that bunker we were in. Yeah. Did you see some of the equipment and stuff that was in sure. that bunker? <laughs> that was amazing. I mean, they're still using the you know the 1950s, uh, probably older than that, wasn't it? 
some of that stuff. Well, th- that wasn't a, it, it was an original manufacturer for the BMP, so they had a, a you know original some original test equipment for uh, the range. Yeah, I got some pictures of that. Did y'all get some pictures of that equipment yep. that's in there? Yeah, it was very yes, cool. We did. So they fired the machine guns. They fired the cannon. Got got an opportunity to see all that, but then, you know, dun, dun, dun. the Sunday punch. They took us out to the track. Yep, and we got to test bucket drive. list we, stuff we, right here. We we got to to roll coal in a BMP. <laughs> we did. We were rolling. We were kicking dust. It was awesome. So first they had their experienced guy take us for a little ride around the the track. You know, he was tossing us around a little bit, rattling rattling our cages. Well, well, that's one of the things too is that that the BMP rides a little bit unique in, in over rough terrain. It's not like a Bradley. Uh, it has kind of a rolling gait to it, like being in a like like being in a twenty four foot lobster boat and kind of heavy swells. Yeah, and um, you got to kind of get your sea legs about you. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I didn't think it was that bad of a, it. It was smooth. I thought, you know, for the most part, if you're standing up, it was really rough. But yep. then you and I sat down in it, and it was a completely different ride. Completely once we different did that. ride. It was nice. Yep. And he was probably he probably didn't hit the top gear. Did he? he probably just kept it in second? No, and, he he was definitely out of second. You think he hit third? Uh, yeah, yeah, a couple of times. Yeah, I know he did on the last track. Did you do the last lap, uh, Joe? With yeah. the smoke, they were flying. Yeah, they, yeah, they were he, really he said, flying. He said they were doing donuts and just hauling. <laughs> we all we all bailed on that one. We were trying to get the, the pictures. Yeah. Um, but we each got an opportunity to actually drive the BMP in it. It was easy to drive. It was, it was a lot easier than I was expecting. Yep. It was very, the clutch. Well, the instruction was smooth. good where they sat us down. They went through the complete operational procedure for it, you know, textbook style. And verified that everyone knew exactly what was going on, and then one after the other, yeah, roll some coal. Yet I still popped the clutch a little fast that first time. Well, you were you were getting some air. <laughs> I think you were just trying to do a wheelie, but you're just showing out a little bit. But yeah, that was amazing um, to have that opportunity. Not very many people get they that handled nicely, don't they? They yeah, do. That, that clutch is smooth, and I mean that steering that will turn on a dime. Yeah, that steering is just you just barely breathe. touch it. You just yeah. breathe and it. It'll turn. A lot of fun. It was. It was a great How thing. Many we didn't break anything. That's what I was amazed about. Nope. Not on the BMP. <laughs> not there. <laughs> so uh, do, what else? do? That's all we did there, right? Well, that we did a lot there. But I know. That, 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 that finished it up. So that, that finished up our um, Excalibur Army. Yeah. We had some sightseeing. We had, a, we had some excellent sightseeing in. Um, the Czech Republic. Uh, and then... We had a great tour guide. Had a great tour guide. Uh, can't remember his name. Who was our tour guide? Anyway, that guy was great. George, George took no, his, no, his little weapon. Oh yeah, hunter. let's talk about George. Let's talk about those we weapons because I've got a lot of people on social media talking about those those guns that we've been posting. So George was one of the workers there. He has a collector's permit, and we talked about the different kind of permits earlier with Thomas. Um, and he amazing collection, but the one. He had a little piece of history. Guys, talk about that gun real quick. That was actually. Hold on, I got to pull I gotta, up the I gotta, name. I you get the name the right. Yeah, I'm not get it right. <laughs> I was I was messing it up earlier. So okay. I agree. you're not actually. Gonna so here's so thing. here I'll get to that. So we walk into um, George's uh, storage gun room. room. Yeah, I don't know if that was his house or what, but in his it, gun room, uh, and then immediately you see. 
this wall of sniper rifles and other assorted Just, things. Right, and then you peek to the right, and he's got some uh, western shooters, some <clears throat> cowboy shooting guns. From, you know, cowboy action six shooting. Six guns. and Oh, he had Schofields. He had Winchesters. He had, you know, uh, open top uh, Colt uh, cap and ball revolvers. He had, he had a really nice collection across, you know, because you've got that on one side, then he's got PSL sniper rifles, M76s, he's got Mosin sniper rifles, SVT-40 sniper rifles. Everything you'd ever want. And then he comes out with this one piece. All right, so and, and there was actually a movie made on this, and it's Operation Anthropoid, and it was uh, Czech Resistance. Uh, a couple of guys, I'm not even going to say their name because I know I'm going to butcher yeah, yeah, yeah. You can look it up online, but... Uh, so basically, Reinhard Heydrich, which was one of Hitler's main guys, was in charge. He was the the Nazi that was looking over in charge of or whatever of yeah. the Czech Republic. One of the top dogs in the Czech. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so they they went to assassinate this guy, and so they this was the Sten gun that we got to hold. This was the gun used in the assassination. So they process. They, yeah, correct. So they went to shoot the gun. The gun actually jammed. So they didn't kill him with this gun, but when the gun jammed, then they lobbed a grenade into his truck. And he later died of injuries, but yeah, from the to grenade, be able to hold bomb. that but famous that gun. That gun was there. That was there. A, that's a piece of history right there, because I had saw the movie a couple years ago. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Damn, I remember that scene. Gun. I remember that scene, too, yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. I wrote so a uh, CZ guidebook, and that was one of the, some of the research I did was on that event. So it's okay. pretty neat. Yeah, it was. To hold the actual, that was the actual gun. I was crapping my pants. Just yeah. that piece of history. <laughs> it was very cool. So that was another highlight, you know, something that we never thought we'd get to do is, boom, was that. And that just kind of just presented itself. So Absolutely. that was awesome. Uh, and then we did some sight, sightseeing of the Czech Republic. Beautiful architecture. Again, nighttime, so we got to see the lights, uh, a lot of the lights. We walked. We had know, a great, great tour long. guide. Told us about all kinds of different things as far as the history dating back. Uh, we had a good conversation with him as we just explored. Yeah. And then the next day, we had another day of um, sightseeing. Uh, Mike took us around Krakow. Yeah. That was, that was a travel day, okay, where we had travel to – we, we loaded back up in the uh, venerable van with all our <laughs> gear and stuff. We struck Can't out across country. I can't believe we haven't nicknamed that van yet. No. But, uh, you know, we drove all the way back uh, to Krakow and explored the old city. Yeah, and it again breathtaking, um, stunning. Yeah, I mean, there's no. Went to see for the it. castle, the museum in the castle. Yeah, the museum that we could not take pictures of the awesome weapons. Yeah, in. the armory. But some of us got a few pictures. Someone, someone snuck one. So I there heard. might, there not might, legally, there not might legally. be one or two that it, that sneak on Instagram. So you <laughs> guys take a peek of that. But uh, to see the yeah the royalty, the history of the royalty that was part of that castle yeah. there, city of the kings. The, the saddle, the, those guns. The double-barreled gun that was mounted on the sword. Yes. yes. So we got the zombie bayonet that people mount onto, like, your Glock. But, no, this was a sword that had a double-barrel flintlock gun on it. Actually, yeah. It, so was actually preparing, a, it was actually a wheel lock. Wheel lock, right. It was a wheel lock. Yeah, they were preparing for the zombie apocalypse yeah. way Back before. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty before impressive. Us. Yeah. So that was, that was a great tour. And then, we, again, we had some amazing cuisine. Yep. We got our souvenirs. Everybody got their souvenirs for their significant others and kids and whatnot. Uh, Mike made sure we didn't get robbed or ripped off. <laughs> <laughs> got, the, got the best deals possible, uh, which leads us to today. 
right? Did I get my days right? Yeah, because a- yeah. A- after yeah. Krakow, we hopped back in the wonderful van. Yeah. And uh, continued on we back to, to Rodham, grabbed something to eat, and then all the way to Warsaw. All the way to where we are today and at this range where we have been shooting just a, a beautiful array of Pioneer Arms firearms. We got to shoot the, the full auto AK, um, the PPS-43, and the oh, PM-63. PM always jack that, the PM-63. Yeah, uh, beautiful shooting full auto guns there. Uh, obviously, we can't. I can't, can't wait get those to in hit those shores. But well, they the, do the have semi-autos coming. The, but they do have the semi-autos. Yeah, yeah. So, so we we had a chance to, to we can shoot, enjoy shoot the military expert version of the Kalashnikov as well as you know original uh, PPS forty three and the PM sixty three. But we also had a chance to shoot Pioneer Arms commercial versions. W- including the uh, PM sixty three C was there. Mm-hmm. The, the, yeah, we there was a whole host of other classic guns, including a uh, DP twenty eight light machine gun, a uh, RPD belt fed. Um, I mean a PPS PPSH forty one Spagen submachine gun. Uh, we shot Mosins for fun, SKSs, all fun. kinds of stuff. Those Mosins were real fun to shoot. Yeah, that was awesome. And then. We got a little taste of what's to come from Pioneer Arms. There was a somehow an AR found its way on on that Polish range. made AR. Polish made AR. What? Somebody say what? <laughs> this is strictly product for the military customer, so we just let you taste it and got a little uh, taste. But maybe that's coming to America. Uh, coming to know. America. Maybe come if on, there was Mike. enough people saying come we on, need Mike. it. Come on, Mike. Because you know the quality that they put into the AKs, they're going to be putting it into those ARs as well. And it's going to be one that you're going to want to have, Leadheads, definitely. So write Mike at com <laughs> and say, we want your AR-15 too. Great. Great. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, final thoughts, guys. We gotta wrap this up. I know we gotta go. Our we got host, another tour. We got another tour. We're gonna do. I want to thank our hosts that we have had here. They have been gracious and the hospitality here, and not just from our hosts on on this tour, but just the entire country. Everybody we've interacted Amazing. in Poland and the Czech Republic. Just incredible, kind people. And for those for those of you, if you've never been to Poland, you really should come. Make it a bucket list. It, right it now. is a really it's it's like a midwestern United States hospitality type stuff. Yeah, great people, great food. It's it's always fantastic time. I love coming back over here. I love Eastern Europe, and to have a chance to come here with all of you guys just made it all the better. And yeah. of course, uh, Mike's been a fantastic host and allowing us to go and poke around every place and look at things and watch to see how things were done. That was very that, educational. I think we were the first to do some of this stuff too. Nobody has ever been. No able one's to ever been civilians. in Excalibur or uh, media. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was amazing. So yeah. Uh, big thanks to CJ for putting this together, making it happen. Mike, thank you so much for your hospitality. You're welcome. Hubert as well. I know he's not here right now, uh, but big thanks to Hubert. Uh, Christoph and Paul. Paulo. Paulo. Pablo. 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 Uh, and then the guys here at the range, um, which I don't know how to pronounce. <laughs> it's, it's been awesome too. 
your wife for allowing us to take you for the whole week. Uh, appreciate her patience as well. But this is my first taste, my first experience with Europe, and I definitely want to come back. So thank you. You're and you're all you're always welcome in America. You know that. And please remember that Poland and US are the best allies. There you go. So that brings us to the end of another edition of the Talking Lead Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Make sure you support those that support this show. The official optics of Talking Lead, right on. Check them out at rightonusa.com. X Steel Targets, the best, most affordable AR500 steel targets on the market today. XSteelTargets.com. Check them out. 1776 United, the official swag of Talking Lead. 1776United.com. Defy Watches and Smith and Bradley Watches, the official wristwear of Lefty at Talking Lead. Make sure you go and take advantage of those awesome deals that Jeremy brought you guys last episode. So listen to the previous episode, episode 259. Find out how you can get great deals on those watches. Firewatches.com, SmithBradleyLTD.com. Modern Spartan Systems. Don't just clean your firearms. Optimize them with Modern Spartan Systems line of cleaning products, lubricants, and they even have products for your vehicles and anything with an engine, basically the TVT engine oil additive. Great stuff. ModernSpartanSystems.com And the sponsors of the Talking Lead AK Corner, Pioneer Arms. Check them out at Pioneer-PAC.com As always, Leadheads, keep your loved ones close and and your firearms closer. I'm David Fortier with Outdoor Sportsman's Group and keep your firearm closer. I'm Rob Manning, Editor-in-Chief of Gun World Magazine, and keep your firearms closer. And your firearms closer. Brian Papula, Big 3, Pioneer Arms. And Daniel Johnson, Pioneer Arms. I am Michael Michalczyk with Pioneer Arms, Southern Poland, and keep your firearms closer. <laughs> <laughs>